New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Welcome, welcome to the Cosmic Prayer. It's so good to be here. I'm Laura, and of course, I'm broadcasting through this incredible uh, ministry, this virtual ministry, New Thought Media Network. And each week, I invite an inspirational guest onto the Cosmic Prayer to talk about prayer, to talk about their idea of prayer, and even if prayer is necessary right now in the times that we are living in. And this week, I'm just so overwhelmed with excitement because our guest, uh, Dr. Gary Simmons, is here to talk about what really prayer is and if it even is vital, important for now. Dr. Gary is um, a renowned peacemaker, spiritual leader and visionary. His groundbreaking mission-centric ministry coaching program is transforming church organizations uh, in America and I'm sure globally. Dr. Simmons is an ordained unity minister and has served in the unity movement for over 40 years. And I'm just so excited because this beautiful book, The Eye of the Storm, which is authored by Dr. Simmons, is a book that I've read a couple of times and definitely delved into the work that's inspired me in my life. So I'm welcoming here uh, Dr. Gary Simmons to the Cosmic Prayer. Hi, and how are you? Welcome to the Cosmic Prayer. I'm awesome, uh, Laura. How are you? How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. It's it's so great that you're here. Um, I, I'm just really excited with the questions and the answers that you have or the ideas that you have on prayer and what prayer really means for you. And as I was contemplating this, I thought, wow, I really would love to know what your definition of prayer is. Okay, so first of all, let me just say, uh, by way of introduction, I was a little bit um, surprised that uh, you would contact me and invite me on to your show, show, show uh, with respect to um, my um, uh, capacity to comment on prayer. I don't consider myself a prayer uh, prayer expert, or that necessarily is my um, uh, my expertise, but I, I would want to say that 
as I thought about, as I thought deeply into just speaking into my own prayer life and how it has helped me uh, bring forth um, a greater work in my life, such as the books that I've authored and the shadow work program that, that we've created, the quantum living process and the integral ministry uh, practice, the program that you mentioned about mission-centric ministry, all that has come forth through what I would describe as my prayer life. And, and so uh, on the onset, I would say that my definition of prayer is, is a, a way of having a, um, a relationship to life from the inside out. In other words, how, how do we be in our life? Are we living our life from the outside in? In other words, whatever I'm having informs me as to whether or not I'm okay or not, or am I living my life from the inside out? deciding who and what I've come here to be and connecting up to that dimension of myself that prayer enables me to embody and allow that uh, presence to live itself and express itself through me. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited to be able to be invited in this conversation as to how prayer can really help us um, embrace and leverage the disruptions that are happening in our life and in our world. Absolutely. And that's what my hope is that this conversation really evolves into that topic, how we can use prayer or if we need to use prayer or if we need to change or if there's opportunity to change the way that we see prayer and use prayer for our lives for, you know, for the betterment of our quality of life, especially with what is happening now on our planet. And I'm really, I, I, what I love about what you've just said is that, you know, this inside out thing. And I know that we're all on this journey. Uh, each of us that are kind of on the journey are on that journey to really empower ourselves in that, you know, and that can be difficult. You know, I was looking at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs earlier today and discussing it with a, another friend and how, how is it? I want to ask you this. How is it for you? What do you believe if somebody really is in that place of destituteness and, you know, is not having those needs met and prayer would be the last thing? Or maybe or maybe not. Maybe they would turn to prayer, but maybe it wouldn't be the first thing on their mind to start looking from the inside out. How do we make that change and that distinction for those that can't quite see it for themselves without actually trying to force it upon. So, so I like to think in terms of, you know, kind of how, how all, most of us have begun in our relationship to our prayer life. So I remember, you know, being raised in, in Catholicism, you know, learning simple prayers. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, the, the whole idea is that we're taught in a very early age that prayer is an activity where we're seeking to look to a, a, a power that is outside of ourself or to some force that can uh, support us in, in our time of need. And so our, our conditioning has been to, to use prayer as a means by which we can relieve ourselves of, of our discomforts in our life. And, and yeah. so as we, as we grow and evolve, however, we discover that there's, there's there's no God out there that has difficulty with how our life looks and feels because God knows that how our life looks and feels is not against us. God knows that how our life looks and feels is something that we do. We, we, we bring to what we're having, how we're being with it. 
And no amount of prayer is going to get God to change the way the mirror works. When life is mirroring that we're, um, you know, mirrors our own sense of not enough. We're dealing with insufficiency in the outer. We're trying to get God to, to give us uh, more. We're trying to get more instead of being more. Instead of being connected to the wholeness and truth of who we are. We are source. And, and so we have to kind of begin to recognize that our prayer life, just like our own consciousness, evolves into a greater expression and alignment with the, the consciousness that is the presence, the one presence, the one power that is source unto us. So in the beginning, most folks kind of see prayer as um, a last resort because for the longest time it has failed them. It's almost like as children, we grow up believing that life is magical and mystical, and then we are we discover the raw truth. Our parents aren't perfect, and we live in a world that is is can hurt us, and and all that conditioning creates a uh, a sense that um, whatever whatever this prayer life is, it's not necessarily something that is can actually work for us. So part of the challenge is that we have to. Uh, grow in our own spiritual awareness with respect to what it means to be in uh, a relationship with the divine and our essence. Yes. And so that relationship, which I consider to be the most important relationship in my life, because I know that as I'm nurturing that, I'm nurturing me and then I'm actually enabling myself to be the best that I can be in every moment. And yet, that's not always simple, is it? I mean, do you believe that prayer is the bridge, even if we can't quite get into that relationship or we don't want that relationship, that we could begin on some level? What would be the first step if it isn't prayer? Uh, okay, so, so here's the, the conundrum, is that prayer means so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. You know, and, and so if if we think about prayer as being a spiritual practice that um, that evolves as we gain more insight, then our prayer life obviously changes. And, and so part of part of our part of what we understand now with respect to the benefits of prayer and meditation, with respect to how it settles our nervous system, how it helps us recover from imbalances, from the hormones of stress. There, there are physiological as well as spiritual, psychological, emotional, and mental benefits in just being able to sit in a practice that shuts off the external world and turns our attention to what is happening within us. We have to, of course, kind of transcend the busyness of our intellect and begin to activate centers, spiritual centers within our physical self so that we can turn on all of uh, all of our capacities to really function as a whole person. And that means we must mitigate how we are engaged in our life and how we are affected by the stressors of our life. If we're reactive or if we find ourselves overly overwhelmed by what is going on, that's evidence that we have an insufficient um, practice and therefore a, a very um, myopic uh, sense of, of resilience with respect to managing the uncertainties of this world. And so having a prayer life, whether we call it meditation, whether it, we call it connecting to our higher self, 
whether we call it channeling, what, whatever, by whatever way in which we feel empowered and authentic in relationship to our own journey. And, and, and of course, that all comes from within us as opposed to out there. Then, then that would be, in my, my opinion, uh, a way in which we could say, you know, my prayer life is, is helping me a matter in this world. And I think that's that's important to help people, especially when when you have an audience. Like, consider your audience all over the world. Everyone has been brought up in a different um, uh, uh, spiritual uh, tradition, and prayer means uh, so much in in different ways. There's such a diversity of perspectives with respect to this. But what we can say in terms of where we are in new thought, we can recognize that prayer slash meditation is is uh, the recognition that there is a dimension of reality that is cause first cause and that lives in, in as consciousness and the effects of life are the effects of of our thinking our feeling our habits of being doing our habits of having our habits of feeling our habits of believing our habits of perceiving all the circuitry of our self system is in the way of our authentic expression of who and what we've come here to be. And prayer is the bridge to that. Meditation yes. is the bridge to that. Yes. And so, oh, I've got a couple of things going off in my mind here. I could go on. <laughs> so your book, The Eye of the Storm, I was listening to a podcast that you had given about this, uh, 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 no, it was about your Q effect and um and how that came into being and what you had been through on a personal level and realizing that nothing is against you and having to realize that nothing is against you and to do that work and i i believe is that so that's how this has come about as a as a further development of that of how you share how you share this with us to get to that place where whatever is going on in our experience, that it is our inner experience that is determining what we're experiencing. And this is the piece for me where, for many people, and I'm, 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 I'm including myself in this, taking responsibility is huge. Taking responsibility and, and not even subconsciously blaming the other or the experience or the situation. That's a huge piece of work for me anyway, and I'm sure for many people to actually own up to all of it <laughs> here and then. And I found that spiritual mind treatment can really assist me with that because it allows me to, to, to really delve really deeply into that place to see that I am so connected with everything that I am one with it all and it is one with me do you believe that spiritual mind treatment is a powerful and positive way for our future of spirituality for the future of spirituality so I I would say that I'm not uh, I can't really comment on what the fullness of what you mean by spiritual mind treatment but let me just say that it's, it has to be more than just a mental activity. It has to be a whole body experience. Our, yeah. our awakening, our transformation 
Ken Wilbur used to say, you know, it's wake up, grow up, clean up, and show up. Those, those are the pillars of our spiritual journey. And and so let me let me just say, you, you mentioned my book, and and I, I write in my book that I was challenged by some um, Hindu um, astrologers to to live my life as if nothing is known as against me. Now I was a unity minister at the time, and we believe in unity. There's one presence, one power. God the good, you know, there's one life, there's God's life, that life is perfect, that life is my life right now. But then we have exceptions. And we live as if, as if it's okay to have those exceptions. So here I am as a minister having all kinds of exceptions, my past wives, my board members, all these people. But yet when I realize what are those exceptions really? And those, those exceptions are really connected to those aspects of myself that are living in the disconnect. And so when I, when I recognize that that's what's really going on, I'm experiencing what's happening out there is really a mirror onto my own uh, sense of not enough, my inadequacy, my unworthiness, whatever. I, I stop trying to fix the mirror. I begin to look at how I am being with what's going on. But more importantly, I look at how is it possible that I'm living as if I'm not enough or I'm a disappointment. And, and as I recognized that I took on those limiting beliefs in moments that I didn't have the context to be able to understand the experience, recognizing that the experience wasn't against me, I was ill-equipped to be with what I was having without making myself the matter with me. And so once we recognize this, we can then begin to work on recognizing that while spiritual mind treatment or the work with affirmations denials helps get our thinking in alignment, there's still the deeper integration work that the little boy or little girl within us is, is left still activated in those limiting beliefs if we're not doing uh, the deeper cleanup work or the integration, shadow integration work, which is what the quantum living or the Q process is really all about. So, so in my opinion, that that mind treatment is is a helpful thing to kind of get us aware that, OK, the deeper work needs to happen. And so to, to amplify the benefit of mind treatment is to begin to then work with the heart and ask the heart to reveal an aspect of myself that is um, little Gary is living in the belief that he is a disappointment or not enough. OK, and so. That's what's going on out here. When I react to someone's judgment or criticism, it's really touching little Gary. But when I react, I no longer have access to taking care of what little Gary is dealing with. I'm now in my story about what I'm having, and that begins to, to reinforce the patterns that my life is kind of entangled with. No mind treatment is going to fix that, in my opinion. I I hear you, and I I believe what you're saying is so vital and so important because we talk about, um, in New Thought and in Science of Mind, we talk about spiritual bypass, and we don't want to do that. And the way not to do that is to, you know, maybe to, to get into a prayer life or to understand ourselves more deeply. And yet there's a deeper, uh, from what I'm hearing and what I know of my own, my own um, growing up and cleaning up, is that there is a lot of work to be done, <laughs> a lot of work to be done. And that takes, I think it takes courage and bravery to say, okay, 
I'm surrendering to this now and I'm willing to embody this experience by going within my own heart, my own soul and knowing that I can't just, I can't just kind of pull the wool over my eyes anymore. It does take courage, doesn't it? It does. So, yeah. so there's a lot of, so my expertise is in helping um, ministry evolve their organizational practice out of what I believe is uh, the minister-centric model, which is problematic. It's in decline. Nine out of 10 churches are in decline this, these, these times. And, and so, so I would consider that, you know, my strong prayer life, meditation life couldn't do anything that really affected the well-being of my congregation. And, and I think that we're sort of stuck in believing that we can just use consciousness necessarily to kind of make it all, all okay. We actually have to evolve. And so what, I, what I'm suggesting is, is that, that there's a different way to use prayer in, in the sense if we use prayer to help ourselves evolve, we don't, we're not dealing with necessarily trying to fix the outer we're trying to become more of who we have come here to be, and that transforms what we're having because we have it unto ourselves as if it's our abundance. So here's a question that I pose to, to myself and to um, my audiences. How can you be with whatever you're having as if it's your abundance? And, and if there's some yeah. aspect of, of yourself that's pushing this away or making it against you, you you have yet to receive the moment in, in the full presence of its capacity to be unto you, um, your abundance. And, and so, so for, for me, that's part of my prayer life is to be in the, in the awareness that whenever I am believing that what I'm having is not my abundance, I've stepped out of my prayer life. Right. I'm now in the world. And, and so... For me, that was um, really taking on when I was seeing what I didn't want to see. <laughs> uh, this too is God expressing and owning that and living with that and embodying that, however uncomfortable it felt or unwanted I felt it was. When I began saying that to myself over and over and over and over again, you know, hundreds of times a day, Everything changed for me because I became so much more compassionate and more accepting of all of it without trying to pigeonhole or judge it. Um, prayer helped me. Spiritual mind treatment helped me. Meditation helped me because in that I could do even more uh, kind of questioning and inquiry as to is really this God expressing? Yes, Laura, it is. <laughs> um well, you mentioned the key. To me, the key is uh, self-compassion and being able to generate that amplified physical. I mean, it, it, we have to be capable of generating the felt experience of these elevated emotions. Otherwise, our nervous system is not affected. Right. Because, because most of us live continuously by the hormones of stress, adrenaline and cortisol, means that our sympathetic nervous system is overly activated. Studies have also shown that it takes eight hours of sleep to activate, reset the parasympathetic nervous system, which is in charge of our digestion and our immune function. Mm -hmm. so, so if we don't have a, a, a spiritual practice that can 
switch off and turn on the right nervous system, the right nervous response, we're, we're, uh, our biochemical internal state is not conducive for helping our, our mind-body process to kind of really in, internalize our, our experience in a healthy way. Our default mode network, the circuitry in our, in our brain that is all about uh, the fight-flight function and keeping yeah. us safe is overactivated. Right. The, the stories that we make up based upon how we're experiencing our life then keeps us locked into those patterns. So all of that has to be interrupted. And right. so the things that interrupted are spiritual mind treatment, uh, heart-centered coherence, meditation, yeah. you know, the kinds of things that, that help us remember that uh, our life is lived from the inside out, as I mentioned before. And your body of work and your passion and your life work is so interwoven with integral theory, Ken Wilber's uh, work and what he brings, which I love. I love it. And, and this idea that we're in, you know, the first tier and we're coming into the second tier and maybe there's a fifth tier and a tenth tier and who knows, because we are ever evolving and ever expanding. And what would it mean? What would, what would prayer look like it, from an integral point of view? What does prayer look like from that, from that perspective? Well, to, in, in my experience of my own prayer life that I believe that has been responsible for my work to be um, successful and well embraced um, lives in the sense that I'm actually creating things that, you know, I, 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 Gary cannot think this stuff up. It has to come from some place and it has to come through a channel. And so my prayer life has prepared me to have access to the field of infinite possibilities. And so I would say that second tier prayer life is the recognition that, um, that we live in the field of infinite possibilities and our attention and awareness collapses that infinite field into whatever we're having as our experience. And so our prayer life keeps the field present, ever presence without us collapsing it or reducing it to a single happenstance. Right. So, so as we're able to maintain the, in the field, and as we deal with our life situations, our life situation wants us to collapse into its limited reality. But if we hold the field ever present and we're, we allow whatever we're having to be a part of the field of infinite possibilities as opposed to filling the whole screen, we just see it as just one uh, particle in the, in the field, in the wave, as opposed to the whole, this is, this is who I am. And we teach in the quantum living process how to release that experience, recognizing that out of all the ways in which you could make this moment mean you made it mean this. And the only reason why you made it mean this way is because you collapsed that field based upon your own uh, limiting thinking. And once we train people how to reaccess the field or at least keep it present, they can be with their finite experience, even in its discomfort and the fullness of this discomfort 
and feel spacious and safe because they're able to enfold themselves in the awareness that within that field of infinite possibilities is the creator, is source, is spirit, it's the presence. So having this urge to keep this openness and expansiveness rather than collapsing the wave into a finite, limited possibility, that for me, that just wipes visualization off the table. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of like, I mean, I know it, but the way you've just explained it is really beautiful because it's, it's, it's you saying prayer is this, it's not an opportunity to ask for something that's in a material, in a form. It's, it's an opportunity to open up to the formless and to let that be the best it can be and show up as the best it can be in our lives rather than determining it through prayer and, and putting that finite experience on it in prayer. Well, I think the biggest hurdle in, in using prayer in, in a way that is constructive is that we use it to try to deal with our discomfort. Yeah. But if we, if we use okay. prayer to, to help us evolve you know we're, we're not we're not trying to get rid of our discomfort we're trying to use our discomfort to help us um, grow in our awareness of all the things that it's connected to our discomfort is connected to something that's real so we should pay attention to what it is but not to source it outside of ourselves. when 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 we're trained to source our discomfort as well as our well-being outside of ourselves that's mm -hmm. our condition I call that the shadow effect. Mm -hmm. And, and when, when, when we recognize that whenever I look outside of myself for my well-being, approval, success, sense of more than enough, or whenever I source my discomfort, you know, that person, this, this, you know, I'm, I'm living basically in a disconnect. And, and if I try to use spiritual principles, as you mentioned, it's spiritual bypass, bypass possibly for me but it's malpractice in the larger sense to have somebody the matter with me for me now is malpractice when someone judges me i have to say tell me more because i know that there's no judgment that's about me but i know that every judgment's for me if i'm if i'm able to be with that person and recognize that they're a partner in helping me see and grow and understand the truth of who I am. Right. So I can, I can use any situation as if it's my abundance. Let me just tell you a story if, if we have time. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, my wife and I were trying to refinance our, our property. We recently retired from ministry, full-time ministry as co-ministers of any spiritual center in Spokane. And so when we, when we left the ministry, we left a full-time income and then we're faced with managing our life situation, dealing with uh, our limited means. Because at the time, you know, uh, we can manage with the income, and now all of a sudden we are discovering that we're eating into our savings. And so, right away we go to, oh, we need uh, to deal with this situation. Okay, and so what? What the? What does the world say to do? Well, you can just get more. And how can you get more? Oh, your property is worth stuff. So. Let's refinance. Well, long story short, it turns out that 
because we live in a tiny house in Washington State, it's considered a travel trailer as opposed to an actual house, even though it's permanently on the property and it's um, it, it's it's a part of everything that we've done. So so the door shut on us from ever being able to ever ever being able to borrow money uh, and we put over two hundred fifty thousand dollars cash into this piece of property with solar uh backup generators uh water electricity all the all this stuff but we but we, but we can't get any of our money out of it okay and so that's that's the conundrum and no amount of prayer nothing you know god would say sorry i'm not gonna unlock this one for you you're gonna have to you're going to have to get over needing to get more in order to deal with your sense of not enough. So that's the setup. That's what most of us are faced with. So once, I mean, it takes me a while to kind of recognize, oh, I'm locked up in this pattern. So how can I use all of these no's uh, from the banks, the loan companies, the credit unions, the uh, appraisers, how can I use those no's as my, as my abundance? So that's 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 the challenge. So so then I have to go to my my heart and say, okay, reveal this to me. How how is it? Can I like I can use this as my abundance? And so always, what comes to me when I ask that question is, use what you have. That's the that's that's the answer to that prayer. Is if if everything that you have is your abundance, then you have to use what you have if you're going to trans translate it into something that is for you. So, so in conversation that me and my wife, Reverend Dr. Jane, and I have around these matters, we said, well, what we have is our capacity to bring forth these principles, these teachings. And we just never, we just never saw ourselves necessarily um, letting ourselves be what we have that we can use to kind of really uh, shore up our, our financial state. So once we made this shift, all of a sudden, the flow started opening up. And you know what happens when the flow happens, you get more than enough. And you didn't have to do anything to get it. You just had to be more. You had just have to be more and use what you have. And, and so, so this, is, this is how it works. This is how prayer, in, in my mind, in second tier works, is that you don't use it to fix what your discomfort is. You use it to be who you've come here to be. <laughs> yeah. So. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Well, it's not a well, story or that happening because I think for those that are listening, it will, it will, and for me as well, it's a, it's an indication that we're, 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 we're trained from very young to believe that we're not enough and to believe that to fill that gap of not, not enough, that seeming gap, that we can find it outside of ourselves and that can fill us up. And then we're enough and suddenly we're accepted and we accept ourselves. And from what I'm hearing, you're saying, well, just find that acceptance right now in our, in, in our hearts. Find it right now. And the prayer is that. The prayer is that, to accept all of it so that we're not desperately running around inside our heads and inside our hearts trying to find these different ways to navigate this amazing life when it's already here right now 
Right. And so you mentioned ownership, you know, we have to own our life. And, yeah. and that means that we have to own it all, even what we don't like about our life, because yeah. that's where the power is. And, and when we're pushing some aspect of our experience away, we're pushing away our capacity to use what we're having as a transformative portal. So, so you know, part of the challenge in, in our ministry practice, both in Unity and CSL, is that we have yet to bring on the value of ownership, owning one's right. life, owning one's shadow. And, and, and this requires a higher level of emotional and spiritual maturity to, yeah. to help a congregation value the effort to kind of shift into a, um, a willingness to own, to own it all. Right now, um, there is a dis Wilbur makes a distinction between translational and transformational teachings. Translational teachings are teachings that help you feel better about things. Like it kind of improves the dream. Where transformational teachings pushes you into your discomfort so you discover what it's connected to so that you can do the deeper integration work. Yeah. I think for too long, New Thought, Unity included, has been translational in its approach. You know, you don't have enough, get more. Okay, here's mm -hmm. some prosperity teachings. You know, tie it to where you're spiritually fed, you'll get an increase and and see you got more. Well, yeah, that might be true, but if you have a, a deeper sense of not enough, that that increase will be less than in no time. And I've proven that to myself over and over and over again. So so I don't I don't um, we had we hadn't taught a tithing class at any spiritual center in Spokane for over 10 years. And it's because we don't want people looking outside of themselves for, for their increase. We want them to see themselves as source. Mm -hmm. People begin to see themselves as source when they, when they deal with all the stuff that's in the way of that, uh, that knowing, I mean, you don't, you can't see yourself as source and still believe that you're not enough or inadequate. Yeah. So you have to deal with those deeper beliefs before you can actually open up the dimension of yourself that is immune to those vicissitudes of life. You know, we're, we, we can, we can evolve out of victimhood, but most people don't necessarily know that they're just right. being a victim. So. Right. And even that kind of false idea that, um, you know, with, with uh, the roots of new thought or maybe not the roots, but, you know, in the last hundred years where pro these prosperity teachers amazing teachers with amazing charisma, you know, would come on stage and, and say all sorts of things, you know, it's change your thinking, change your life, which I think is one of the most unrealistic phrases. <laughs> because, um, because for me, it's, it's, it's more about changing, changing my whole atmosphere of the way I believe, or what I believe in and who I believe I am, change my experience of life. Um, it's much more deep than than simply having a thought and pinging up a magic fantasy castle, <laughs> which would be great if we could all do that. I think it takes a level of awareness and and time to um, to surrender and to really be committed on a daily basis to not only spiritual practice but spiritual evolution within 
within myself, it's an eternal job, isn't it? So, so you, you probably have acknowledged that over the years, if you look back on your life, you've gotten, you've, you've gotten to be less judgmental, you know, more caring or kind. I mean, we yeah. can look back and kind of see that, oh, I've, there's been some improvement. And we can sort of also see, well, where is this all going? And if we actually think about like a timeline, so here I am. I'm on this part of the timeline, but I'm really moving over here to this part. And I know that what that means is that I'm going to become even more loving, even more um, present. And, and, it, and it could be said that the only thing that is really changing is how I'm having, how I'm taking in my life. That's the only thing that's really evolving. And, and so yes. where, where's this all going? Well, it's where where jesus was or the buddha was that's where we're headed we're headed to where it's all god and if we know that that's where it's all going why don't we just hasten our journey by just sort of dealing with okay well here's where i don't have god going on in my life and what's up with that because that's the issue not what's going on in my life it's it's how i'm having it the issue is how i'm having my life there's no other issue because when we have yeah. our life as if it's our abundance or as if it's all God, yes, there may be discomfort. Yes, there may be something that is out of our realm of desire, but whatever we're having can be used as our abundance. That's the bottom line. And if we're not in the effort of using what we're having as if it's our abundance, we're in some other practice. Right. Wow, Dr. Simmons, this is an incredible conversation and it's so, so inspiring for me to hear you talking and to listen to what you have to say about, well, beyond prayer. It's about how we, uh, how we choose to tap into our own spiritual nature. That's what I'm hearing from you is what prayer is, how we choose to really embrace our own spiritual nature from within and allow that to simply be the overflow without having to move or do move anywhere or do anything we're so trained aren't we to believe that if there's discomfort there's a problem Absolutely. like it need it should should be comfortable all the time and that's not my experience in in the discomfort i learn if I'm surrendering to it, I can learn so much about myself. That That's isn't not, always pretty. <laughs> we, we have in, in the quantum living process, a 21 day um, exercise that we invite people to, to do every day. They consider how they've been with whatever they've had. And if there's a place in their life where they've had a moment of discomfort, to begin to journal about that and discover what that discomfort is connected to. And what we tell people is that if you do this every day for 21 days, all of a sudden your brain will start thinking differently about how you're having your life. And what they've done actually with astronauts, they've given them concave glasses to wear and they didn't experiment because in outer space, you don't know if what's up and what's down. They discovered that after 21 days, of wearing these concave glasses, their brain would flip the image and they would wow. see everything upside down. 
Wow. Well, well, they they discovered that if they didn't wear the glasses the whole 21 days, if they took them off at 19 uh, and then put them back on, it would have to go another 21 days before the brain would would flip the image. So there's there's a science associated with if you do a practice um, for let's say 21 days, your brain will develop brain maps that will begin to uh, regulate how you're, uh, how you're thinking. And so this is what happens in the process is, is that when you spend 21 days reflecting on your life and your reactivity and what that's connected to, all of a sudden, while you're still in your life, you're still having the same bombardment of issues, all of a sudden you retrain yourself to see those as not against you. It's just information, data points that's showing you what's still inside that still needs your attention and love. And there's always going to be something, isn't there? Well, there's always going to be something, but what happens is that you discover all of a sudden, oh, I'm not bothered by that anymore. You know, right. so, oh, wow, I used to, I used to bother me a lot. It just, it just doesn't anymore. Yeah. You know, this whole thing with masks and the vaccines, you know, I went through without any kind of uh, reactivity or judgment because it's just like it never rose to a place where my reactivity kind of wanted to use that to kind of make some kind of case as to what's going on. Right. So um, as, as, as a kind of final piece here, You've, you've shared so much and I want to thank you for being here and being so present and um, so giving with your conversation for the way forwards I mean I know your your work is about ministry and how ministry can evolve in a really powerful and productive way especially going into you know the the 2020s how do you see us as, um, well, I'd say, how do you see teachers and leaders and prayer practitioners and ministers, how do you see an evolution in the way that we can, um, can be with people and use prayer in a way that can bring people in, those that may not even be interested in using prayer for their daily lives, because that's where I see there's a there's a kind of gap. So, so I have a kind of a narrow scope. I'm not trying to transform the entire world. My arena is the New Thought community, um, ministers and practitioners, licensed teachers and congregants. And so, in in my over 40 years of work and my involvement as director of peacemaking services, integral vice president of integral operations. I've created lots of programs that have been an attempt to help evolve and to uh, help our ministries and spiritual leaders deal with what's going on. And I've abandoned all of those things because none of that has worked. But what I've since created is now working. And so the things that I want to support and guide uh, New Thought uh, ministry leaders into experiencing is, number one, the quantum living process. My wife and I are are, are going to be conducting a uh, ministers only uh, program for New Thought uh, ministry leaders on the quantum living process in January. And so you can go on our- There's the uh, website here. Yeah. 
And in yeah. addition to that, um, we've created a year-long certificate program for New Thought ministry leaders. These are uh, ministers, okay. uh, board, council members, or lay leaders. Anybody can uh, take this course that'll be off Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute, a year-long program that will um, uh, offer a certificate on how to implement the integral ministry model in New Thought churches. So that's that's oh, what, wow. I, what I bring to the, the arena. And because these programs are so embedded in the what I call the four pillars of transformation, waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up, um, it, it is uh, rooted in prayer life and in this deeper uh, integration work. And so um, the way that I encourage people to uh, hurry up and uh, get on board is to get uh, get this training. The, the quantum living process, we now have almost 8,000 people through the process and over 150 facilitators worldwide. And it's a part of the new thought and uh movement now and many you know, churches um so that's that's where i would recommend your audience to to check check out check it in check into that oh that i'm gonna check it out i mean i was looking on your website and i was looking through and seeing i've actually got your website up here so i can just add it in for a moment um transcending the past and everything's there on your website you can find out so much information about dr simmons and uh and the quantum living process and um and sign up for courses and um and discover more about yourself because right. it is I'm all also, about understanding i'm also on facebook and so that's that's where a lot of uh, our uh, activities are posted so um uh the the quantum living website it, uh, we're in the process of of uh, uploading um latest materials so that might not contain the latest so okay my Facebook page to get uh, the most current information. Wonderful. What is your Facebook page called? Well, it's Gary Simmons. And you it's just Gary have to, Simmons. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I will put the link for that underneath here so that um, so that people can find you and contact you through Facebook if they have any questions or they want to know more or they're intrigued about your work, which I'm sure so many people are. Well, with thousands of people turning to what you're doing we know that there is a place for your work and i'm so, just so grateful that you are here on the cosmic prayer to share and to teach and to inspire me and others to um to know more about your work i'm going to be delving in definitely okay. um if you hear from me in a year <laughs> all right okay signing uh, up <laughs> all right take care is there a is there a final word that you would like to um, to express for listeners right now um, on how to amplify their spiritual practice or or their their knowing of this inside out living through spiritual practice and prayer? Is there anything that you'd like to share before we go? Okay, so here's the challenge: really open yourself to whatever you're having is your abundance and then the issue is how can you use what you're having as if it's your abundance see what happens god bless amazing amazing thank you dr simmons for okay. being here on the cosmic prayer and for those that are listening or watching wherever uh, you are finding this uh this is laura we are on new thought media network 
And of course, there are links below where you can find out more about the network and sign up to our newsletter on the website, newthoughtmedia.org. Until next week, uh, have an amazing, blessed day. Thank you, Dr. Simmons. Bye-bye. New Thought Media Network is on the rise. We're looking to grow with you. Do you have technical media experience or perhaps a desire to learn? Are you willing to volunteer your precious time and attention? We share this message to benefit all. If you possess a computer with a camera and a microphone, we will share our knowledge with you. Behind the scenes or being the star, let us bless our one. Contact us at info at ntmedia.org. Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspired.